They looked all right, didn't they? And the good thing is most of them I know. Most of them I've had a rich conversation with. Most of them I've done life with and continue to do life with, and that's incredible. You too can have your photo up there for next year. Make sure if you sign up that you get that smile on your face and get on the camera. I discovered this morning there's a group down there that don't have their photos taken on screen because of their choices, and I thought I should go down there and start <laughs> uh, and see whether you would recognise my voice and what I say, but it was a bad idea. So I'm up here again. Welcome to those online, to those who are sitting here today. Last week, I learned again and afresh and was reminded that you and me are image bearers. You are an image bearer. And P.S., I like you. So how about we start by you finding someone totally different from last week and you say that to them again, following on from some of the information that we learned and need to practice from last week. You are an image bearer and if you don't know them, you could say, I would like to get to know you or I like you. I'll give you 30 seconds. Someone different. Now, of course, if you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, you'll need to go online and listen to last week's message, which I'm going to follow up a little bit today. And I'm going to add this next statement. You are an image bearer in a new and different way. You got that? In a new and different way. See, when we become followers of Jesus, Jesus the exact image and representation and true reflection of God, because he is God, comes by the spirit of God and lives within us. So we not only are created as image bearers in the image of God, but we have Jesus, the exact image of God, who can say, see me, Jesus, and you see God, and he lives within us. So I want you to take that as something extra special. You got it? You are an image bearer in a new and different way. You like that one? Good. Maybe you should say that one to the person next to you anyway. Anyhow, last week I also learned, as I went through the message again and again, that community is part of God's plan. Community is part of God's plan. See, when I become a Jesus follower or a disciple or an apprentice by giving my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and inviting the image of God, Jesus, into my life to rule and take over, I actually become a member of God's family immediately. The new family, a new people of God. So it's like, here I am thinking I'm just making this individual response to follow Jesus all the days of my life. I step in to a new family. And immediately I've got brothers and sisters, cousins and uncles and aunts and grandparents. 
and the lot. And I didn't choose them. God chose us. We are immediately placed in a new family. And there's some pictures of this family that are used throughout the newer part of the Bible. Sometimes it's called a family. Sometimes it's called a body. Now, I only have one body, and there's only one body of Christ. And we are all part of it. Sometimes it's called temple. Sometimes it's a picture of just the people of God. And that was God's intention and desire from the beginning to make a new people of God who could together worship God. Isn't that a great picture? So you belong to a new family. And I also learned from last week, being created in the image of God includes us being in community and we are designed to pursue godliness and I've added together. I can't do godliness by myself. I want you to know that when I sit and read my Bible in the morning, I'm perfect. <laughs> There's no one around. I have this wonderful time with God and I'm not getting irritable. I haven't grounded anyone. I haven't lost it. It's just wonderful, the God in me. But you know, I don't stay there all day. I can't. There's life to be lived with Jesus in community with others. And it's the others, usually through the Spirit of God and the Word of God that I've read that morning, that highlight to me that there's a lot of rough edges in my life. We are not good at being together in community. We are not good at it because we have been taught in our culture over the hundreds of years, last hundreds of years, to be an individual, to be independent, strong, and to be able to do life stoically. And it is hard, really hard, to trust other peoples and to believe that I need them and life is better together. I don't know if you um, realise that uh, I actually share house with another person. She will hate me saying this. But you see, I lived independently by myself for many years. And when we came together, there were two strong, independent women who had survived the world, the culture and everything in it, and discovered that we were both pretty stubborn, strongly selfish, independent, and did it our ways. And we've had to learn over the last nine years to believe and work together. It doesn't mean to say we do everything together. It doesn't mean to say we share the same principles or values in life. And, uh, but we learn to live together and it's better for us both. I've had lots of my arrogance and pride and all that stuff confronted because we need to pursue godliness together. 
And it's this togetherness that allows for this accountability where you can encourage me, I can encourage you, we can affirm each other, we can gently take someone who's been hurt or harmed and we can bring them into trust relationships together. We can actually, in the spirit of love and truth, confront each other and through the word and through the spirit and another human, we can pursue godliness together. But most of us don't want to, which is tragic. I want you to go on a little imagination journey with me for a moment. I want you to imagine that you are now selecting the new pastor for this church. And in this group of people, there are people who have had different experiences. First of all is the founder of the church, a very wealthy businesswoman who has a household and employees, and she was a devout religious person who actually, through listening to a speaker talk about Jesus, believed. And her approach to life is that everyone, everyone who ministers in the church must be very good teachers to be able to open the word and expound it because that's how she came to the Lord and surely that's how everyone else should come to the Lord. It's the only way God works, isn't it? But then there's another girl, exploited, abused, used, and she met a speaker on the street and this person, in the name of Jesus, cast out the demons. And she was free. Her employees didn't like it one bit. And they were quick to uh, make sure that she suffered. But she's in the church. Surely every person who ministers in this church should be able to cast out demons in the name of Jesus so that everyone can have this power encounter. But then there's another gentleman there with his family. And he is from a different culture completely, from the ruling culture, of course. And uh, he has a job. And he was an employer of the government. And he did what pleased, but the government was quite oppressive and demanded that every employee do their job properly at the cost of death if they failed. And of course, one night he was on duty and believe it or not, everything went wrong. And he was ready to kill himself, to get out of the mess that he was in. But there was people there who'd been having a prayer meeting and singing and praising and they just said, no, 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 no. So he looked at it and said, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? And the gospel was explained. And he went back and they said, you need to be baptized. Believe in the name of Jesus. Be baptized. And all of his household was. So he believed that only foreigners could lead you to Jesus as long as they weren't in government employee. Now, these three are talking about what kind of person do we need? And of course, there's two women there who've worked alongside some of the greatest theologians and speakers and missionaries in their life, and they can't agree anyway. 
did you know that is a description of the church at Philippi? If you read Acts 16, you read the conversion of Lydia, a businesswoman, the slave girl who had demons cast out, and the jailer. And if you read Philippians chapter 4, you'll discover there were two women who worked alongside Paul who couldn't agree. What hope did they have to come to an agreement? Well, Paul wrote about this in his book of Philippians. And he said, he called them to unity. Unity for those who had given themselves to Jesus. He said, do you want to be comforted? Yes. You want consolation? Yes. You want to move on in Jesus? Yes. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind and of one spirit. And then he says, by the way, when it says one mind and one spirit, it doesn't mean to say we're clones, okay? It doesn't mean to say we've got to give up everything and believe the same thing. It means we take our differences to where we are and we listen to the differences of other, look for mutuality, appreciate difference, and explore together what is right by giving up our preferences and acknowledging our differences. Anyhow, Paul wrote in this little book of Philippians, do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourself. Have you got that? No selfish ambition, not my way, not in my interests, but in the interests of others. When I spoke some time ago on love, one of the beautiful definitions of love is that you're wanting the best for the others. And you can only get that by not looking after your own interests. Let that same mind that was in Christ be in you. In other words, look at this. Embrace a mindset that privileges others above yourself. You got that? Embrace a mindset that privileges others above yourself. What else I love about this book of Philippians is that we read in Philippians 2, and most of this we will have, I think, on the screen, where we have what I love to call, I heard it probably... 40 years ago in a sermon, and I've never forgotten this phrase, the downward mobility of Jesus. So counterculture, isn't it? The downward mobility of Jesus. So let's see if the scripture is there from, from Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who... Being in the very nature God, which means he's God. Okay? That's his nature, God. He did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. You got that? The Greek there actually is very strong where it says he didn't grab hold of and cling to the God card and play the God card. Okay? You got that? That's very crudely say, stated. But that's 
the power of that word. He didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He left the glory behind. Glory, which means that overwhelming, heavy, brilliance presence of God that is pure, bright light. The presence of God and the significance of God. He left that behind. And it says that he took up the very nature of a servant, became nothing, servant. Word there, the lowest form of servant, doulos, slave, actually it means slave. That's what he did. Jesus didn't play the God card. He came down to heaven as a nothing, as a nobody, and became a slave. And of course, he took on human flesh. He was made in the likeness of humanity. He needed to take on some flesh, so it said he appeared to be a man. He took on maleness. Then he humbled himself even further by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That is our example. That is our Jesus. That is our God. And this is the one who lives in Jesus' followers. And we too are called to not exploit who we are at the expense of another. In honour, exalt the other. We had a puzzle last week. I've got Dorothy to bring me one up here. Um, I don't do puzzles anymore. It's something to do with eyes and impatience, I think. And you can't hammer them in. This one actually says on the front, I don't know if you can read it, missing plenty. Unfortunately, when the church gathers in community, we are missing plenty. Some who've been hurt, some who've been alarmed, some who can't cope, some who've been looked after, looked, come and haven't sought friendship, invitation, community, haven't found it, or haven't always agreed and have been no one to talk to, missing. We are missing them, and they are missing us. Now, you were given one of these, some, if you were here last week, you were given a bit of a puzzle, right? What I've learned with children, if you do puzzles, if it doesn't fit, you just try to squeeze it in the best way you can, uh, which is pretty good if you're a child. But most of us try to do that in life as well. I um, asked two of my great thinking friends this morning, Sam Tearley and Ben Fair, I said, have you got a theology of the, have you, have you developed a theology of the puzzle? Do you think it's fluid or static? That if you've got a piece, is that static? And of course, Sam Tearley says, but sometimes the dog chews it. And uh, other times, there's pieces missing or it's bent, it's misshapen because of life. But I believe our God restores pieces, us, 
differences. I've, here's just some differences with us in this community right now. There's our learning styles. Some of you hate the fact that it's the speaking and you can't draw and have pictures and stuff like that. And some of you would like to touch and feel and get up here and play with the pieces. There's lots of different learning styles. And the church traditionally has done auditory. We do try to have some little visual. There's communication, how we communicate with each other. There's different personality styles. It doesn't mean to say I'm branded or linked to this, but we just don't get each other. There's different motivations. There's family of origin difference. So you were taught to use a knife and fork this way, and I was taught to use it that way. And then some people don't use knives and forks, and you know, that's just one simple little thing. But the family of origin, how you make your bed, how you wear your clothes, when you go out, all this kind of stuff. They've taught us this difference, and usually we make judgments on family of origin. And once you get married, you've got two different families coming together, and you're supposed to bring up kids, and you've been brought up differently, and so unless you talk about it, you've got issues. Family of orange difference. Economics, how you use your money, how much money you've got, where you spend, how you get it. Okay, difference, even among us now. There's difference with the amount of money we have in our pocket or bank. Language, education. Some people have left school at such and such of age. Some people have done this, and we think that schooling is the answer, and we realize that life is an education. Social backgrounds, skills, hobbies, talents, gifts. We are all different. Add on to that language and those barriers, our ethnicity, our race, our culture, our worldview, our religion. So much, eh? We are unique and each is different. That's what it means, okay? So with that puzzle that Ben had last week, each piece was different. And we need to find our shape in this world. I did watch the Matildas last night. I have watched, I think, three football games now in my life. I had to learn that it wasn't to love the score, that it was to, what is it, nil. And I thought, that's not kind. <laughs> so I'm sticking to the love if you get zero. I was told I had the wrong game. I know that the crowd cheered Sam Kerr on last night, but did you know what? Sam Kerr can't do it alone. She may encourage the team. That team may lift up, but she's got to have people that will kick the ball to her and make sure that the other team don't get in the way. She needs the team to excel at her brilliance. You got that? You need the team to excel at your brilliance because we each are in our own way. And Sam needed every single one of those. But do you know what else they needed last night and they got? They had the crowd. They had the cheerers, the supporters, the people there. Together, we do better. Better together. So all of our differences, we have one God. True? We have one Lord Jesus Christ. We have one Father. We have one Spirit. One body. United. Created in the image of God. Look, look at this. All one family to live together humbly, esteeming one another. We are the family of God. You want to say that? 
We are the family of God. Come on, say it. We are the family. I'm sure you could do better than that. Pretend the Matildas are playing. We are the family of God. And with saying that, we belong to each other. I need you, you need me, okay? We need each other so we can excel at what we're doing. We call God our Father. He is our Father twice over. In Malachi it says, He is God our Father because He created us. And then when we become Jesus followers, He becomes our Father again twice over because the Spirit of God says, this is your Father. This is your Father God. Father by right of creation and Father because he reconciled us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, So how then, according to Philippians, are we to reflect this image? Three things. We are organically connected. I think you've got that, haven't you? Organically connected with others, not just to be friends, but to proclaim Jesus together. We didn't choose this family. God chose us. As soon as I become a Jesus follower, I'm in the family. This kind of friendship and family matures us if we allow it to do that. And of course, when the church lives like that, we can say to others, come and see. Come and see life in action. Just in finishing, the rest of the Jesus story, Jesus is exalted according to Philippians. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and he- in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So Jesus' downward mobility and our call to live like that is actually the same as Jesus. He was exalted. But listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians about you and me and the Jesus followers. Our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there we are expecting a saviour the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform our body from humiliation or our humble bodies that it might be conformed to the body of his glory by the power and all that also enables him to make all things subject to him. So we too will live in that glory as we learn to live together well here. A famous... Popular writer, reader of someone I read is Richard Villadas. I don't know if that's how you say his name. But in one of his books, one of his memes, I think, he wrote this. The Bible is more communal than individual. Paul teaches us to, Jesus teaches us to pray our Father, not my Father. Also, sometimes I need to say my Father. Because at that moment, I'm needing the individuality that he can give. Paul uses the phrase, our Lord, 53 times, and my Lord, once. Jesus is my personal saviour is not in the Bible. Okay? That comes from the individual, individualization and theology of the last 200 years. 
Jesus is the salvation for the world. And we can have a relationship with our God that embraces all of the family of God. I still like to know that I have a personal relationship with God. That's great. We are the people of God. We belong to each other. That comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 3. So back to the very beginning from last week. God created humans, mankind, in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Rejoice that we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus because we have the Spirit of God living within us that enables us to embrace the family of God well. Here's the deal. Today there's no cafe, so we can't get coffee. I'm sorry about that. You can pop down to Lex Entertainment and buy one if you like. But how about you have a conversation, introduce yourself to someone in the family of God that you didn't even know was your brother or sister. Wouldn't that be great if you discovered a new brother or sister today? Be beautiful. And if you can't find someone, find an old brother or sister that you know and say something different. We bear the image of God. You got it? You're special. You belong to God, each one of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for the work of grace that you do within us in calling us to be your people, your family. Together, Lord, we can make a difference in this world. And together, we can be helping each other to live that godly, holy life. Amen.